The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Baseball show is presented by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball, all one word, all caps, to start betting with the king of sportsbooks. Luis Arise is hitting 400. Uh, Rick Hahn, the GM of the White Sox, needed to defend his first-year manager. The Astros have dropped five in a row, and the Twins might win the shittiest division in recent memory. We've got a lot to talk about, but... I want to start with this Titanic thing that's going on. Jack and Aram on the Just Baseball show. And like, you and I have spent the morning reading and watching and listening to stuff on this thing, Ocean Gate. That's the Titanic exploration thing that has gone missing. And it feels ragtag. That's my one takeaway from this. Yeah, there is. So for those that don't know, like there's, <clears throat> and correct me wherever I'm wrong, because I've I've been very like, this story is, captivated me but not enough to to read like the whole lowdown but i read like a recent cnn update as of like last night at one in the morning when i was in bed like what the fuck so basically subway uh, or subway new york's affecting me or submarine (laughs) goes underwater they want to see titanic wreckage like two and a half miles down and it's the people in there are just kind of people that just wanted to have fun and explore like these aren't these aren't researchers, right? Is this just wealthy people that wanted to go check out the the wreckage? Am I wrong on that? No, you're right. So I watched a 10 minute CBS news feature that shows you what I do. So that's, that's the thing. So then the CBS news feature resurfaced recently, right? Because they were like, Hey, by the way, someone connected like, Oh, this submarine that's missing is ocean is the same one that was on CBS a couple of years back or whenever it was. And then someone rewatched it. 
And the details of that CBS piece were like, oh, no moment. But now it's terrifying. It was like, no shit. This thing's lost. Yeah. So the gist is and like I watched the 10 minute feature like in its entirety. So the gist is the Titanic is sunk about 400 miles east of the easternmost point of North America. So like you go to the easternmost part of Canada which is about 150, 200 miles north of New York, I want to say. And you launch from there and you go about 400 miles. And, and the the only people before this Ocean Gate thing to see the Titanic were like scientists in two-man dives, explorations with submarines. You're two and a half miles underwater. Like the pressure there is absolutely insane. So they were only in submarines and like, you know, scientific exploration dives that could handle two people but then you've got this guy that started ocean gate and it is travel for billion it's two hundred and fifty thousand. it's like spacex it's like spacex one of the guys that's unfortunately missing right now on that thing was on bezos's rocket thing like went to space last year and went to the titanic this year they he said they had a guy that won the lottery that did it. They said they had a guy that mortgaged their home that did it. $250,000 to get in this. They said it's the size of a minivan. There are no seats or anything. There's a toilet with no door. Like it it, it just kind of sits there. So if you got to poop on this 12-hour dive, like the whole thing's going to smell like shit. It's, it's the most ragtag thing ever. And we were watching it like pieces of it. He controls it with. A video game controller. That- it's like a GameCube controller. He's like, oh, yeah, this is how we control it. Yeah, it's not very complicated. And then he pointed at some little piece on the ceiling and was like, yeah, I got this at Camping World. Yeah. Are you crazy? They they use construction piping as ballast for that thing. Like, it, it's nuts. It's an eight-day thing. You, you go out for four days to get there. It's a 12-hour dive in this thing, in the submarine that is put together. And there's no way out from the inside. That's the thing. They need a crew to like undo 16 bolts or something on the outside to let you out of this yeah, thing and secure I mean, you in. It, it is the most ridiculous thing ever. I, if, if somebody told me before I get in a submarine uh, two miles below the surface that they purchased one of the parts at Camping World I'm and out. then show me a fucking GameCube it's remote. It's like a Logitech. It's like a, apparently it's a sub. It's not even a good one. It, yeah, th- those are like shitty remotes. Like those are in the, like the bad, like the the, the pre-owned area of GameStop. Like yeah. It, that, yeah, that's insane. So, I mean, praying for a positive outcome here, but I don't think that you can really count on that. Right? Crazy story. Absolutely yeah. crazy story. Yeah. Nuts story. And like, it was one of those things where the CBS news feature, like you laugh when they show you the video game controller controlling it. Because everybody had made it at this point. But now that, you know, it's it's looking bad and same with you, like I'm hoping for the best. Like now that you see where shit can go wrong, you're like, wow, you probably shouldn't have controlled that thing with a gaming controller yeah. or like probably yeah. shouldn't have purchased parts from Camping World. So, yeah, um, no, man, it, it sucks, but it is a fascinating story. And like, I we're sitting here, I'm in Indy, you're in New York. And it's like, I would never do this for, I, I wouldn't be paid $250,000, let no. alone pay $250,000. Cause yeah. it kind of feels like, you know, like bad shit can happen immediately, but we'll get to baseball now. Um, I want to start with Luisa rise getting over 400. It's got three, five hit games this month. Come on. It's, you know, it's one of those things where it's how many different ways can we like talk about it? I'm not, Comparing it to Otani because like Otani's totally different, but in the respect of like he pitches, he hits, and like Peter's wrinkles was like, oh, he's so fast too. Like right. with with Arias, I think the most remarkable part about it, because it feels like we revisit this topic and we have to, like we have to be talking about this right now. I think the most remarkable part about Luis Arias is every time you think he's finally going to slip away from 400, he climbs right back in a matter of three games and it's harder to do that the longer the season goes on obviously it's easier to keep that you know average where it is but it's harder to get it back up especially when it's 378 which is what he dropped down to to get that back up to 400 on june in june mid-june like that is insane you have to go five for five four for five and that's exactly what he did 
it's one of those things I've never watched a hitter where you expect them to get a hit such a humbling sport. Everything is stacked against you hitting is harder than it's ever been. And I'm surprised when Arias doesn't get a hit and it's crazy. Most of, most of his outs are pretty well hit baseballs. So it's, it's just been remarkable to watch, man. And uh, I, I like that Luis Arias is making batting average cool again. You can't you can't say it doesn't matter. You can't ignore it because it's so remarkable what he's doing in that department. And it's just it's just been a pleasure to watch. So Luis Arise has a two point five percent swinging strike rate. The second lowest swinging strike rate is Quan at three point nine. So he's almost a point and a half better, a percent and a half better than the next best guy in baseball. That yeah. is an incredible margin here. Luis Arise has 102 hits. He has 15 strikeouts. And, and you mentioned like how hard it is to get back when you drop to 370. Like this guy's down month was May when he hit 330. Like, oh. It's it's incredible. He's hitting 455 in 16 games in June. And, and it gets even crazier. Runners in scoring position this year. 464, 529, 554 with more doubles than strikeouts. With men on, 444, 504, 556. So when people use the, and I know this is a minority and this is just like the loud, the loud minority that that are just stupid on Twitter. We're like, oh, he just hits a bunch of singles. Like, yeah, okay. But he hits a bunch of singles and doubles with runners on base. That generally is good. If you're hitting near 500 with runners on base, you are a very productive baseball player because if you have a guy on first, he might get to third. If you have a guy on second, he's scoring. Arise is driven in a fair amount of runs too. Like it is a really remarkable thing to watch. And and you think about it, if he can flirt with 400, which you know we'll see. I I still think it's really 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 difficult. But Arise himself has said it's not impossible, but it's really hard. Yeah. We baseball would be so blessed over the last three years. Like people talk about like where baseball is at as a sport. And I I think that it's in as good of a spot as it's been in. We've had Shohei Otani revolutionizing the game with the pitching and hitting that we've seen on display. I mean, that is, he's become the talk of the sports world with that. You have Aaron judge chasing, you know, Roger Maris's record last year, which was remarkable and awesome. You have Otani still doing what he's doing, but now you, you might have a 400 chase with Luis Arias. And I'll tell you what, I think that, you know, he's not a Yankee, so it might not have the same amount, but for baseball fans, I think that will come with just as much, if not more fanfare than the 60 home runs that I think, you know, people were locked in on. You have the Maris judge Yankees component, but in terms of just like, wow, is he really going to do this? I think people will be just as clocked into, you know, a, a 400 chase in 2023. When do you think they start to dial in? Like, I think, you know, the, the avid baseball fans and us obviously are already dialed into what Arise is doing. But when do you think the the common public is going to start tapping into Luis Arise? Like the, the joke with Judge last year was on your college football Saturdays, ESPN was cutting into college football with yeah. Judge ABs. You know, obviously Judge was was already past the 50 marker there. If Arise is hitting 395 on August 15th, you think people are tapped in? Yes, absolutely. And that's was kind of the, the range I was going to give is like mid-August. It's a little different with the home run chase with Judge because you can kind of say, oh, he's on pace for this. Yeah. And then you can watch him climb up on that pace and see if he maintains that pace. With right. with the you know 400 chase, you know, batting average chase, it's not about being on pace for anything. It's, it's sustaining a level of excellence, which is just – really really hard they're both incredibly difficult but it one's harder to project because he could go 0 for 20 and then it just kind of falls off where you know you can hit a home run once every few games and you could be one for 10 but you're still on you're still on track so it's going to be really interesting I, i think that that will captivate a lot of people because you have a lot of the people that swore off baseball or you know I, I don't think there's that many people that did that but a lot of the older people maybe that you know I said oh this game has changed you know no nobody hits for average anymore like that might reel them back in yeah and I, I think it's lazy I think that's a super lazy take that people have because some of the best players in baseball have incredibly low k rates you know they, I think that is the argument here like oh there's too much swing and miss in the game look at the fucking best players in baseball man like 
Jordan Alvarez is a sub 20% K rate. Luisa Rise is, is in a 400 chase. Wander Franco has like a 10% K. That's like what these guys do. The best players are not egregious strikeout guys. The only ones that are egregious strikeout guys that are considered like next level are Judge. Who else? Otani, like some of the most prolific power hitters we've ever The old ever guard seen. likes Otani because he does something unique. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. You know, I think it's a yelling at cloud thing, but like this hundred percent yell at cloud crowd back into baseball. And I think, you know, it also will just kind of get, get the buzz going again. There's just some, there's something to, to watch. There's something to monitor. Everybody wants to see history, no matter what the sport is. And, uh, and, and they'll start to pay attention to that. And I think it's just a great way to reel in more fans. Obviously Mike Trout could be considered a high strikeout guy too. Yeah. We're talking about that, but yeah, it, I'm excited. And of course, it, it's good for for baseball in the respect that it's happening for a small market team. You know, we're talking about all these small market teams having you know good years and some of these teams that have not been competitive in a while. And I think, you know, it's nice to have you know, Jazz Chisholm was supposed to be that marketable star that brings excitement to Miami. And I still think he, he can be, but he's hurt as he often is. And yeah. right now it's Arias that's, you know, bringing a lot of attention towards the Marlins. So, you know, that, that, that's gotta be great for the franchise. And I can tell you from what I've seen, the biggest media scrum we've seen all season. And it was on a Monday night yesterday at the Marlins game. Now that the hockey season's over, basketball's over and you know we'll see how baseball does out there, but you know, Arias definitely is a big help. And it's really cool, man. Like you've got Sandy underperforming, you've got jazz on the shelf, but Yuri Perez is starting his candidacy. Like he's starting his career on this perfect, perfect trajectory. So there's so much excitement here. And if Sandy improves, if jazz is healthy, and if Yuri continues to do what he's doing along with a rise, I mean, Miami is like a topic of national baseball conversation, which That's is just cool. bizarre to me. That's yeah, so crazy you know. to me. Jorge Soler. I mean, yep. Soler 21 homers. So be interesting I, to see how he keeps going. Before we move off a rise, I do want to give you a golf clap because when this trade went down, you said a guy like this can thrive in a spacious outfield like the one they have in Miami. You know what he's hitting at the depot? No. 437 at Lone Depot Park. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was the one when I did the dive into, I wrote the breaking down the trade and how he fits in and people were saying, you know, oh, he's going into a pitcher's park. Now he's going to hit no home runs. Eh, maybe, but actually we mapped it out and all of the home runs he hit actually would have been gone at Lone Depot. But even that aside, way more space for that dude to work with. He likes to deposit balls all over the place. But then on top of that, he's got enough juice to, to hit it through the gap. So he's got a lot of room. It's a big playground for Arias. And uh, it's it's cool to see it working out that way. I mean, a great, great pickup by the fish. Yep. 364 on the road, 437 at Lone Depot, which is really cool. Joey Votto made his return on Monday night, and uh, he he had some interesting things to say. He went yeah. yard. He had a two-run single. Like, hey, the homer was really cool. The two-run single was really cool. The emotional conversation with Jim Day after the game was really cool. But, you know, maybe the coolest thing was what he said pregame when he said, I, I feel like I'm coming back to a different team, and it feels like yeah. I'm getting my, my big league call-up for the second time. This is... It's America's team at this point. Yeah. Fucking Cincinnati Reds, man. I well, all this team needed was the lovable veteran on his last leg, yeah. and now they got that. This team checks every box now well, in terms of like, yeah, yeah, or, or yeah, his last shoulder. <laughs> which that the way he talked about that surgery, it sounds like it was a really, really like serious one. Like I, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it sounded like there were some doubts there, and. Clearly there were. I mean, they shut him down on his rehab assignment. He did not look good. You I saw him. I was there for that week before they shut him down. And dude, he was miserable. Like yeah. it was really hard for me to watch. I was like, dude, this is not Votto yeah. at all. And, and, you know, I don't know if we'll really get even close to what he was in 2021, but if he can be better than what he was last year, which, you know, I think he will be, and it'll just be a, a, a serviceable player for them. What he brings beyond that is is going to be so valuable to a team that's so young, and it, it's awesome to see. I listened to his interview with SVP after you know on on ESPN on Sports Center, and just just how in tune he is, and how I would say like his ability to read the room, understand that this team is doing something that's special and big for Cincinnati, 
and not make it about himself. Really, it was the the remarkable part. Genuinely wants the team to succeed. Doesn't know how many games he has left. This might this is probably it, and doesn't care. It's not about him. And and that that really stood out to me. And it it seemed very genuine. And he just seemed excited to be a part of it. And to me, that was coming from a guy who wasn't sure he'd be back here. Yep. Like I really think that there was a point in time where he wasn't sure if he was going to get back on the on the big league field and and be able to to perform. And I think the fact that he's able to do that now is kind of the perfect way to send him off. I again, I don't know if he's retiring. I'd assume that there's a, a good chance he is after this year, especially if the Reds have a nice finish. And it just seems like the guy's having fun and soaking it all in. And you know, he deserves that. Reds fans deserve that. And I think he can still serve a role for them on the field too. You know, this guy can still hit home runs. He can still walk and he can still be a productive piece. Yeah. So obviously biggest impact that Votto is going to have is in the dugout with young guys, with McLean, with Ellie De La Cruz, with all these guys that are coming up right now. When CES comes up, like that's the perfect baton pass. I mean, you want to talk about Miggy to Torkelson, like, Votto to CES is poetic as well. So, yeah, um, yeah like he's going to help with those guys. Uh, he also just e- injects this fun dynamic to it. And, and we talk about, you know, the veteran on the young team. Like the reason that we loved, I think, the St. Louis Cardinals in 21 and 22 was they had that three-tier aspect to their roster. They had the young, exciting pieces like O'Neill and Carlson and, you know, Gorman last year and, and Yepes last year. Then they had, you know, the, the early 30s superstars in Arenado and Goldschmidt. But then they had the trio of vets in Wainwright, in Pujols, in Yadier Molina. And, and that layering, that idea that Yadi Molina could talk to Nolan Gorman is super exciting. And I think that layering of Votto being able to talk to Ellie De La Cruz and still help out with Jonathan India's maturation process. India's not a vet yet. like No, but he's it, playing like one, and I think yeah. he's kind of carrying himself like one, which is cool. Yeah, which is really cool. And, and I think he was kind of thrusted into that situation with Votto's absence. But now India can can do him, and Votto can take Steer under his wing, and can take McLean under his wing, and Ellie De La Cruz under his wing. And I, I just think that this dynamic can make them lovable. Do you know who their B-War leader is this year, by chance? The Cincinnati Reds? Cincinnati Reds B-War leader? Oh, gosh, like Jake Fraley? TJ Friedel, good guess. TJ Friedel, I was going to be um, one of those two guys. So I guess the question now becomes, what does the best version of a healthy Reds lineup look like through this year? And That's you can question. put CES in this lineup if you want. I feel like you've got to have Votto in there, right? I mean, yep. it's it's... It's Joey Votto. If he struggles, then, you know, I think he'll happily take a bench roll and you got the, you know, still a really good pinch hitter who can get on base, grind out at bats and, you know, leave the yard at any moment. But I would say the best version is Tyler Stevenson catching and Joey Votto DHing, steer at first, Dola Cruz at third, McLean at short. uh, And then you got India at second and then the outfield with Friedel. Fraley and then maybe CES and right like that. If he looks okay out there, I don't hate that. You got Senzel, you got Benson, you got a few other options. You can kind of mix and match there. Yeah. I'm with you. I was going to take a crack at it and do Stevenson catching um, Votto DHing. I would go steer at first or no, I would go CES at first. Actually I'd go India at second, McLean at short, Elliot third steer in left. Yeah. center Fraley and right. That also was probably better. <laughs> if, if if CES is not catching on quick in the outfield, I think I think that would make more sense. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how America's team goes about it, especially with Hunter Green out with with a hip issue uh, now. So hope that's. Thank goodness it's a hip, though. You know, I was worried like arm issue. So hips can be iffy, but like I'll take that over an arm for sure. Um, all right. I've got a soundbite here of Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, reacting to um, something that John Heyman, I I don't know if it was reporting, but Heyman speculated that Pedro Griffal, the manager of the Chicago White Sox, could be one and done. And I I just want to play Rick Hahn's rebuttal to that. 
Apparently there was a very well-respected out-of-town reporter uh, speculating about Pedro's job security uh, on uh, a local sports station. Uh, you guys who are here day in and day out, especially the beat group that spends the amount of time talking to me or talking to uh, others around the, the front office and hearing how we operate, uh, have heard me say before that this uh, underperformance that we've had so far or any of the issues we've had thus far in this season is not on Pedro and on the coaching staff. Uh, I don't think we could have been more clear about that. And I understand that people, uh, especially in this day and age of, of all media, much less sports media, clicks matter and ratings matter and palace, palace intrigue matters. And I'm not going to be able to solve that here in, in my position, nor is it my responsibility to solve that. But as we get closer to the deadline, as we get closer towards the end of the season and people want to speculate on what's going to happen around here and what's not going to happen, uh, I would caution against putting too much credibility in reports that don't come from people who are here all the time. Uh, and, and I don't mean to criticize or single out any national guy in particular. Uh, they're all, many of them are very, very good. Uh, actually called the reporter today that made the report and asked him what he was basing that on and we had a great talk and he shared that that was simply answering a question with his own speculation not something that he was reporting Ooh, ooh, yep. i like that little finish there yep a really interesting finish credit to chgo for being in that in that scrum and getting that sound um I thought that was interesting coming from the general manager of the white Sox, and and he's right Heyman is a very well respected national guy he's a national insider he's not there every day um he talks a lot about the cubs and white Sox on 670 the score i think multiple times a week but i mean you, you can only be around an organization so much and i'm with rick Hahn. i think that's a misread from Heyman. Yeah. while pedro griffal is like not you know turning water into wine right now for the chicago white Sox. like this shit ain't his fault this is a team that has underperformed. It's the exact team that's underperformed for the last half decade. Like it's it's nothing to do with Pedro Grifol. And, and and I would say, what do you expect him to be able to do with this ball club? I, this team has just consistently underperformed, consistently been injured. And you know what? I I'd argue that he's doing a pretty decent job, all things considered. You know why? Because I haven't heard about him. And, and that's the difference. The last guy, <laughs> you if you weren't hearing about him. If you weren't hearing about him on the field, you're hearing about him off the field. So I, I think that there's a level of give this guy his chance with a different team, with some new faces, with people, players who are bought in. And I think they're going to do just that. I appreciate you know, Rick Hahn, and I'm sure Griffal does too, coming out and being willing. You know, Most GMs speak in code, even if it's something that, they could easily just not speak in code on, yeah. uh, but he didn't mince words. He was very direct and said, no, Rick, Rick you know, he, he is fine. So I, I really think it would be idiotic to fire Grafal at this point. There's so many more things that need to be focused on and they need some continuity. I think at the helm, this that's furthest from their issues. I think the speculation should be all around the roster and what do they do with each of these players? And we've talked about it in the past. I think it's trade a lot of them, yeah. but I think they really got to burn this team down and let Grafal kind of start fresh with a new group. Yeah. Like that's my, th I, I hear that. And I say, yeah, Rick, you're right. It's not Pedro Grafal's fault that Tim Anderson has a 580 OPS and it's not Pedro Grafal's fault that, Elvis Andrews is hitting 200 with a 530 OPS. And it's not Pedro Grafal's fault that Yohan Moncada is on the IL again, and you owe him about $20 million next year. <laughs> and you're paying Yasmani Grandal like 59, what you're paying him, I think $18 million this year to play 59 games. And I mean, like suck defensively behind the plate. It's yeah, he's cooked. It, it's so it's actually Rakan's fault. 
<laughs> for the most yeah, part, like, not it, all of it, but like the team sucking is Rick Hahn's fault. That's the thing. I also think that it's a little short-sighted from Heyman, who does an excellent job to assume that they're going to be one and done with a manager when Jerry Reinsdorf has notably never let anyone go in the history of ever and like brought Tony LaRusso back in 2021 because he fucked up a firing in 1986. Like he doesn't forget things he, he he's not ready to piss people off so why is he gonna go one and done with with a manager i mean this division is terrible do i think the white Sox can win a terrible division this year i don't like at all and like even if even if they can like float around and hang around this team's getting bludgeoned in, in the in the playoffs immediately and oh. i know you, your goal is to make the playoffs but like that's if all things go right. Everything goes perfectly. Okay, great. He make the playoffs. Who gets the ball game one? Michael Kopech? Uh No, obviously Giolito it's Dylan Cease. Three and a half. You know, it's Dylan Cease. But it, you go Dylan Cease to Giolito to to Michael Kopech? To Lance Lynn and his six and a half. I'm I'm good. I, if I were if I were the White Sox, first of all, keep manager. Second of all, I would trade a lot of different dudes. I would consider trading. I think there's a I think there's a serious culture issue. And and that's coming no reporting, no insight. This is just me being speculative. But see, I'm speculating on the environment of a clubhouse, not someone's job. Um I I, I just don't see how these personalities mesh. <laughs> I think it's clear that they don't all mesh. I I think it's clear that when you have this this much volatility on one roster, you're rarely going to succeed because it's like one guy's off the IL, one guy goes back on. It's a revolving door. But I would say that the situation is not as bad as we feel like it is. Because, and I'm curious what you think about this, Jack. I think that Oscar Colas is a young building block. I really do. I know he didn't do great, but I don't think he was ready. We talked about that. I, I thought he needed a little bit more time. And this team has kind of been chaotic. So it was it was a lot of pressure on him. I think Lenin Sosa is a decent building block and a good piece, a good young piece to have. You hold on to Andrew Vaughn. You extend you extend Dylan Cease. Let's say you keep Luis Robert. You can't get rid of Andrew Benatendi, but then you piece it together around those guys. You replenish the farm system a little bit by trading uh, a Giolito and trading a couple of these other guys. I think this could get better sooner than people expect. Colson Montgomery has been hurt this year, but that's still, I think one of the more underrated prospects in baseball. He he can get up relatively quick. Brian Ramos. I just got off the IL in the minor leagues. I really like him. Um, they've drafted a little bit better of late. The system is improved. It's not great, but I don't think it's this catastrophe to the degree of some of, some of the other like worst situations in baseball, if they play their cards right, but they never do. Do you know much about this this Jose Rodriguez that's getting up for his big league debut? Yeah, I was it was you know people looked at the numbers on Rodriguez and they're like, "Oh, like why would they call up a guy with a 702 OPS?" He started really slow and then has just kind of gone nuclear, so I think they're kind of riding a hot hand here okay. and trying to see what he can do. Yeah. You know, he, he was swinging a lot a lot better as of late. That's what they did I with like Sosa it. last I, year. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing with Sosa. I but but I think Rodriguez is a building block too. I don't know if he's going to succeed right away, but he's really toolsy. He's really talented. And he just turned 22. They've got pieces. I, yeah. I, I really think if they play their cards, right. You trade those bullpen arms, Kendall Graveman. So we just talked about how it's a seller's market. Yeah. They could cash in big time on big. some of these guys. Like a Giolito is going to get you a bigger haul. I think than a Giolito would ever get you as a rental. For sure. Especially right. with how he's pitching right now. Yes. They can I mean, play their cards right and circumvent this, this re make it a retool, not a rebuild. Because White yeah. Sox fans don't want to do another rebuild. That would kill baseball in Chicago in the South Side. Yes. I think uh, you can retool. I, I think so too. Giolito through 15 starts as a three and a half, and he's striking out a hitter per nine. Like this is the best version of Giolito we've seen since he threw that no hitter in 20. Did he have a good 21? He had a good 20. Um, I always mix him up with what years he was good and what years he was bad. Yeah, I think was it 19 and 20 that he was really good in 21? He had a three and a half. Now he was good in 21. Um, but like last year was the brutal one, he had a four nine, he's got a three and a half and 15 starts so far this year. Cease is underperforming. You're not moving cease, like you said. 
Um, yeah, like I think White Sox fans jumped ship on Lenin Sosa because he has really struggled in two big league cameos at this point, but it's too early to fully jump ship on him. Colas, I think, is in not the best graces with White Sox fans because he struggled in his first big league cameo, but you can't jump ship on Colas. I'm with you, man. Like, there are some guys in that bullpen that can sneaky get you some great prospects in return. Not top 100 guys, but some guys that are outside of that. Kendall Graveman can get you a fringe top 100 guy. Think about Ben Brown. Gregory Santos with the control that he's got, and, and he's putting together a two and a half. He can get you a 10 to 15 prospect in another organization. Keenan Middleton right now with his sub two can get you a 15 to 20 prospect in another organization. And in that bad system right now, a 15 to 20 guy in a good organization can be a top 10 guy in yours. Yep. And then think about what you can get for maybe a TA Uh, or maybe you shop Eloy a little bit. And the good thing with those guys is you don't have to trade them. The the leverage is yours, but there's so few bats as we just talked about. And I think it's perfect that we're following up with this episode. You have, you have a lot of leverage here. If you're the white Sox. play your cards, right? I think the worst thing they can do is sit on their hands because that's what they've been doing. And I can understand them sitting on their hands the last couple of years. Cause you look at the roster, you're like, okay, if it all clicks, this could be great. Like last and year was Jake Zeekman for Reese McGuire. That was their only. That was it. Move. That was it. And but and I was fine with them not subtracting because they were like you could see it possibly all coming together. Yeah, it's clearly not now. You look at like next year's free agency. You could probably go sign a couple cheaper guys. You again replenish that farm system. It's probably going to be one bad ish year, but you could make the case that by 2025, a lot of these pieces could you know, start to be coming together for a new young core. Ben Attendee's still going to be there. You'd still have Eloy, Vaughn. Um, you know, if he's healthy, you've got Robert. And then you've got some of those young prospects that are hopefully translating. And then sign a couple free agents, extend Cease, and I think you can piece this together. But they should absolutely 100%, without hesitation, trade those bullpen arms and maybe one or two bats. And I think they could actually end up replenishing their farm system more than any team in, in baseball, maybe besides the guardians when they trade Bieber. Yep. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. I, I don't think the white Sox win the AL central this year, even if they, they hold Pat or I don't know, look to improve. They're not going to look to improve. If anything, they're going to sell, but yeah, man, I, I think you might have to look at a retool situation. Uh, Minnesota is not looking at a retool situation. No. They're leading their division, but they're two games under 500. This is the worst division in recent memory, and I don't think it's close. I can't think of a year where a division was this crappy. You've got Kansas City that's 19 and 51 or something. You've got the White Sox that suck. The Tigers that, I mean, they won some games early, but they're not looking hot at all. Cleveland can't do anything. Like, this is the worst version of the Cleveland Guardians that we could have possibly forecasted in 2023. Then you've got Minnesota, who we thought, you know, could have decent talent. Like, I, I negated it because I was so high on them in 21. I'm like, okay, I, I can't get burned by the Minnesota Twins again. But, you know, you thought that they could be really talented. They started incredibly hot. The pitching was great. Carlos Correa is hitting like 210. <laughs> like, it, it's just, yeah. it's no bueno. Everybody's sucking in this division. So, my my question, my overarching question is, do the twins have enough non-shitty ammo to win this shitty division? Yeah. Yeah. And and this isn't me being stubborn. I'll already admit I was too bullish on the twins. Um, I I liked them. I really did. And I think, I I hope this doesn't come off as an excuse. You can tell me if it does, but for twins fans, I, I could feel how they're kind of sitting there and just being like, man, why us? Because, Tyler Bally. I mean, that trade looks terrible now, but who would have thought he'd be this hurt? We knew he had some shoulder issues in the past. Who would have thought he'd be this hurt? You look at the lineup, you know, it, all, the whole Correa saga to end up getting him at the cost that they got him at financially. That looked like a monster win. They get Royce Lewis back ahead of schedule. Edward Julian mashes his way to the big leagues. Joey Gallo ends up not being a bad addition. So you're, you're thinking, okay, like, why is this team sucking? 
but it's just been a little bit of just everything, like a, a couple areas across the board. And I think it's just kind of weighed them down. You look at the lineup, Buxton and Correa being hurt and, and un- unproductive. That really, that really kills you in the, in the rotation. Tyler Malley not being available. That, that really hurts. Um, but I still think the rotation should be better. Pablo Lopez, a four, four, like who would have thought that? Then you look at the bullpen, you got John Duran, but, how about the guy you went out and got is now on the IL and struggling with, with issues that, you know, go beyond performance. I mean, you hope he's all right. And, and Jose, uh, Jose Lopez, Jorge Lopez, Jorge Lopez, excuse me, Jorge Lopez, you know, dealing with anxiety. And like, we've come to understand like that affects a lot of players, especially relievers, I think too. So uh, he's dealing with that. And that was supposed to be a big part of their bullpen. It just seems like it's been a series of unfortunate events. And then, of course, Jorge Polanco has struggled to stay in the field at all. Um, it's just it's just tough. But that said, like, is there a team in this division that stacks up to them in terms of depth and talent? I, I don't think close. so. Not even I don't think close. it's close. I, I still think this team is is comfortably better than everybody else. I Maybe besides they- the Guardians, if they're clicking on all cylinders. Dude, I mean, the Guardians have no slug in that lineup. The Guardians don't do something drastic at the deadline. Like, I think the Minnesota Twins can crawl and take a nap on their way to an AL Central title. Yeah, it's just and, – and the thing for me, too like, – okay, I'll ask you this. What does it look like? Like, what does the best version of the Twins look like? What does it require for them to, you know, be be a clear division winner? I'm not saying limping to this finish line. I'm saying – be the twins that I thought they'd be. Yeah. I'll tell you what I think. I think Pablo Lopez needs to lower that ERA well under four. I think he's got to be a a low to mid threes guy by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I I think he's got to throw like a sub three uh, for the next couple months. Um, I think Joe Ryan needs a couple of bounce back starts. They need somebody behind Duran. Brock Stewart has been awesome in 22 appearances out of the pen for them, but like they need an Emilio Pagan to get really good really quickly. They need a Griffin Jacks to get really good really quickly because they've been just fine. So that's what I think they need from the bullpen and on the hill. Like Lopez needs to tick up. Joe Ryan needs to regain that awesome form that he was having. But I'm fine with a 3-3 from Joe Ryan. Sonny's yeah. been awesome. Bailey Ober's been awesome. Barling's been bad. I'm not worried about but Barling, that's your five, and he yeah, still not gives you some it. quality starts. He just he gets blown up a little bit with the long ball, misses, misses over the middle. Yeah. But you're also you get Chris Paddock potentially back at the end of the year. Kenta Maeda might be healthy as well in, in a few weeks. So offensively, I think that's where you gotta look. Yeah. I need Christian Vasquez not to suck. I need Byron Buxton not to relatively suck. I need Carlos Correa not to relatively suck. Um, Max Kepler, not relatively like all these guys relative to what we know they can do kind of suck right now. Um, yeah. And, and I'm looking at it right now. I think it's, it's clear as day. The pitching's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think but- the bullpen, they could, they could go out and get a bullpen arm. That's fine. That's the one area of the trade market where you'll be able to go get bullpen arms. That's fine. You it, can do that. It's this lineup, man. Like everybody's it's, it's the lineup. performing except Julianne and Gallo, I guess. Can That's you- it. How many players in the lineup do you think have? Or do you have the numbers in front of you, or can I ask you yeah, this trivia question? Ah, uh, oh, don't look sorry. for a sec. Yeah. How many players with at least 100 plate appearances in this lineup or just on this team do you think have an OPS over 800? Um, let's see. I know the heavy hitters are Gallo at 780 and Julianne at like 790. Is it one? Is it Kirilov? Is it one? Yes. It's just Kirilov at 806. Dude. So you have, you know, you just go through the lineup. Everybody's either low 700s or high 600s. And it's weird. The the one thing that gives me hope with this lineup and this team is they have a lot of options that I still do believe in. Edouard Julian, I think, is a great platoon piece. And they, they need to platoon it together here. That's the way that I think they need to go. Royce Lewis. He's getting his feet under him. He's hitting 281. He's just not walking and not quite slugging to what we're used to. He's, I, I think he's going to be good and, and be a good piece for them. There's still a world where Jose Miranda gets going and comes back, but that could be a trade chip for them. Yeah. They have a lot of trade capital, a lot, both at the upper levels of the minors and you know the system's not bad, but they could trade a Matt Walner. They could trade a Trevor Warnick, especially with the performance of Kirilov. Uh, they could trade 
uh, Nick Gordon, who's hurt, but I think there's teams that may have some interest in him. And then they have a system that's fine to be able to trade from. They they need to go get a bat. I think they'll do it. But I also think that their guys have to turn it around. And I think they need to stop looking at Max Kepler and they need to find a way to get those at-bats more to Edward Julian and Alex Kirilov. Kepler's hitting 189 with a 625 OPS. I think this is the point of the season, Jack, where it's like chopping block time. If you're not performing, we got to trim the fat. Yes. Whether that means going to the bench or or trading you. There's a team that would take a flyer on Kepler. I bet the Braves would probably take him. <laughs> like, I'm sure. And then he'd be good for them. They need to to trim the fat and and kind of reassess because I think there's guys that would help them that are not getting enough at-bats. I, I that, That's what it is to me. I'm with you. Uh, Christian Vasquez, unfortunately, probably an untouchable deal at 10 mil a year for the next three years. Sent three years, 30 ahead of this year. Vasquez is brutal this year. So you, you can't move him. You look for a catching upgrade. You may have it with Jeffers, maybe not. Um, but yeah, man, like you got to trim the fat with Kepler. I'm also thinking we talk about the starting pitching depth for them. Do you move off of a struggling Simeon Woods Richardson and see what you can get when you cash in there? Do you move yeah. off of Balazovic and see what you can get if you cash in there? Uh, Brent yeah. Patrick is another guy. Like, yeah, and then they've got lower level guys that they, they could move. Canarino um, is their big ticket one. Like you could move yeah. Canarino for, for a guy if you really want to make a splash. And they've shown the willingness to do that. I don't know if if after that Tyler Maui deal, they'll, they'll be nervous to trade a Christian Encarnacion Strand or a Spencer Steer. Like, but that would th- that trade in the moment, I, I was like, oof, that's a lot to give up. That's a lot to give up. They felt like they weren't giving up a ton of upside, but they gave up some high floor bats there. I think they can reassess. Maybe they'll trade from the lower levels or they'll trade from you know the Matt Walners of the world. But the last thing I'll say on this team is I still believe, I still think that they're going to find a way. And I, I just I just feel like they just have to be a, a decent offense to win this division. And I think that they have the goods to be a decent offense. Um, I'm, very, I'm very interested to see how they handle things, though, because they need to figure out who's getting these ABs and, and how to allocate it to the guys that are going to be more productive for them because – there's there's too many giveaway at bats right now, um, and, and they should see if Mitch Garver is available. Maybe they can get a little a little uh, mulligan on the Mitch Garver deal and get him back. That'd be good. Uh, but man, they they could definitely use a catcher. But I think Jeffers is is a fine other option. He's been pretty good this year, and he's a good defender. Yeah, I will tell you, I am IDing absolutely nobody in this lineup in so rare. If I'm looking to add and <laughs> a teensy bit, Alex better. Kirilov, bro, I picked him up on so rare. Okay, there we go. So join our join our just baseball league on so rare. It's the perfect blend of digital collectibles and fantasy baseball. It's like the best version of fantasy baseball that you will play. Kirilov is a good pickup on there. Uh, Julianne is probably a low budget pickup that. Uh, I will think about because you know I I'm a sucker for some Eddie Julian in my life so yeah, yeah. I, I might be looking at that cat yeah so you know and for those that may be hearing about it the first time I'm sure you're not because I've got so many DMs of people telling me how hooked they are on it and how much they're enjoying it you, you click the link in our description you join our league for free we have new merch we're giving it out to those who you know win each week in our league but also if you do really well in our league you'll that means you're doing well in the you know wide worldwide so rare league as well which it puts you in both competitions and you can win really good rewards really really interesting stuff uh beyond the jb merch but also if you want to get into you know the collectible side you can start buying those limited cards and entering higher stakes competitions where i say higher stakes just higher rewards competitions all you have to do is have a limited lineup i have mine i pieced it together for pretty cheap i think it was like 20 dollars all in and I was able to pick up Taj Bradley, Albert Alzali, Luis Arias in the beginning of the year. Um, Austin Riley was like a big splash for me. And yeah. then Michael Conforto, Alex Verdugo. That's my limited lineup. I need those guys to really perform to win. But even if I hang around and I get a free limited card in return as a reward, yeah. and then I usually either sell that for $10 and put that towards picking up another player like Kerry Carpenter or Alex Kirilov, or yeah. just continue building my depth on my limited lineup so I can start mixing and matching when I set it up week to week. So obviously the matchups you want to pick hitters against bad pitching teams and pitchers against bad hitting teams. And the more pitchers and hitters I have, the more creative I can get. So always happy to answer questions that you have. If you want to get into the limited side and uh, into those competitions, but 
draft your team for free, have fun with us, and just try to win. It's a lot of fun. And the link's in the episode description. Go to SoRare.com and join our Just Baseball League. I want to wrap with the Houston Astros. And I want to ask you, is it time to validate the Houston Astros' struggles? Because I certainly am guilty of this. And I know that you and Peter are probably pretty guilty of this too, where we say, oh, it's the Astros, not worried. They've lost five in a row, seven to 10. They're six and a half back at Texas. LA has bunny hopped them. The Angels have bunny hopped them. Seattle's two and a half back of them. And they're not getting healthy anytime soon, man. Jordan's dealing with that oblique issue. Lance McCullers is done for the year. He underwent surgery. Like they've got France and Belak starting games for them, and they're consistently running out their B team lineup. It's kind of a nerve wracking time for the team that we thought was invincible. Yeah, I mean, no Luis Garcia, Arkiti, shoulder discomfort. I mean, that's been since May, end of yeah. May. And, you know, great. You have an elite bullpen. Your your offense is middle of the pack. It's hard to get to that bullpen. And, that yeah, the, the starting pitching isn't good overall, like relative to what we're used to. Yeah. Obviously, Framber, Javier are great. And Hunter Brown has been a great three. But that 4-5... And that's the what thing, is it man. now? Ronel Blanco and JP France is, is that so? Is Belak still starting games for him? No, he just got sent down, and they brought up uh, Sean Dubin. Okay, so who's going to make his debut if he didn't already? Uh, this is it is it is time. I'm glad you brought it up, Jack. It's time. Their outfield that they're running out right now is Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, and Kyle Tucker. And and I mean we're talking about Corey Jolks getting a lot of looks. Yep. Uh, I know you love Mauricio Dubon, but like he's no, getting I mean, a lot of looks. Dubon's a 300, 300, 300 player. He's, he's yes. that slash line. And has to be hitting 300 to be productive. He's 289 right now, so it's tough. Yeah. Um, he's he's a good player, though. He's been one of their better bats. And he's versatile. Yeah. Kyle Kyle Tucker, I don't want to place it on him because he's been one of their best hitters this year. But I, we, I was always expecting Kyle Tucker to make that MVP candidate leap, kind of like we saw Austin Riley make. And I know he's struggling this year, too, but not as worried about him. I expect more out of Kyle Tucker, especially in this position. Jeremy Pena, I think we understand that Pena's better than this, but it's kind of going to be a high 700s OPS guy with great defense and you know just just a good player at shortstop. But Bregman is really disappointing this year. Uh, Altuve is coming back, so I'm not going to put much on that. And then Abreu's been the biggest disappointment in baseball. Yeah. I, I think I think it's it's him or or a couple other guys that you could float. I guess what's the path, similar to the Twins question, Jack, what's the path to this Astros team being the Astros that we know? Because we all the things we said about the Dodgers in terms of, you know, I don't think any of us were saying Dodgers won't be good, but especially me, I was saying, oh, this is the most vulnerable Dodgers team we've seen in a while, which I still yeah. think it is. Relatively speaking, they're always the best team on paper. This is definitely the most vulnerable Astros team we've seen in some time. W- what is... a a competitive, what does a world series contender Astros look like to you? What needs to change? Mm, My, like, that's a hard one for me to answer because I thought the thing that made them the big, bad Houston Astros is done for the year. Luis Garcia is out. McCullers is out. Urquidy is out. I thought Hunter Brown was the six going into this year. And I said, Oh God, with Brown as the six, this is the best team in baseball. And it's not fucking close. If their offense puts up two runs a game, they're going to win 100 games, two to one. Like, that's how I viewed them going into this year. I looked at the pitching. I looked at the combination of the best deep rotation in baseball and the best deep bullpen in baseball. And I said, they're not going to get touched. Yeah. But the offense isn't helping. Jordan is out for, it looks like, through the All-Star break. Here's my thing on Tucker. Um, I, I think... Real quick on Jose Abreu, I think Abreu has been up there. I think Julio Rodriguez is up there too. Julio has been one of the bigger disappointments of the year for me. But Abreu is certainly there. I thought Abreu was just going to add to the big bad machine that is the Houston Astros, and he's not doing it. But Tucker, I think we're seeing a subdued version of Kyle Tucker because there's nobody else to really worry about at this point. Like, yes, you had to worry about Jordan, but that was when Altuve was out. Altuve is back. You worry about Tucker and Altuve. You mentioned Bregman has been disappointing. 
Like you can ID Kyle Tucker in every single pitcher's meeting at 3 p.m. Every yep. single one and say, here's how you beat Kyle Tucker. Figure out everybody else. Yep. No, I, I think that's fair. I think you're really game planning for Tucker and Altuve at this point and kind of riding it out the rest of the way. This, though, the path for, for me, as I see this team, I think will all kind of lead us to the answer of how concerned we should be. They need another starter. That's first and foremost. Which I, which that would have been like tail and bottom of my totem pole for the Houston Astros coming into this year. Yeah, I think we might see Forrest Whitley at some point this year. Like it's like that. Um, they need an outfielder, bad, like bad. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's a world where Yiner Diaz starts getting some looks at first base and DH. Um, that's their backup catcher, by the way, rookie who's bat first. And I've heard nothing but fantastic things about the way this guy swings the bat back to when he was in the minors. And, um, some people were telling me that in the Astros org that he makes hitting look as easy as anybody. And I think he's just starting to get settled in. He's very aggressive, but the bat to ball skills are really impressive. Diaz might be a guy that kind of has to be that, that breakout for them. When are they getting Michael Brantley back? Is he ever coming back or is this I think Brantley, it's a similar to Joey Votto type thing, arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Don't know if he's going to be able to swing it much. He apparently had a setback, but he did take batting practice on the field Saturday. I don't know what you can expect from Brantley, but man, that's a guy that's got to be a saving grace. That's somebody that has to be a game changer for you. But other than that, I mean, you need a starter, you need outfield production, and you need Jose Abreu to figure it out. Which do you feel the most confident about? I, I think they can figure out the outfield because Kyle Tucker's got one spot. Jordan, let's just call him a DH for the sake of this of this thought exercise. Yeah. Chaz McCormick is fine. Chaz slash Myers is fine in center. Chaz slash Myers is fine. You got to find a better option than Corey Jokes. You hope that that's Michael Brantley. And then maybe you can go get a platoon guy at the deadline. You know, you, you can piece it together out there. So that that's oh, the thing, man. I look at AAA depth. I look at internal options to be that other guy that isn't Corey Jokes. And I see Justin Dearden, who has been fine, but like not the Justin Dearden from a year ago. I see Bly Madris and like you don't want to count on that guy at all. Uh, I see Pedro Leon, who has been somewhat disappointing. And Leon has been a top five prospect for them for what seems like eight years at this point. Like it, it's it's really hard to look at that triple a roster and say, yeah, somebody on that roster can help them right now. I I'll plug my friend. Cause I think he can give it. Quincy. I think he can, he could give him a shot is Joey Loperfito. Yep. He's too far off right now, but a few months, like it might be worth a shot. This dude's double a 24 years old. He's playing every position, by the way, he's played center. He's played second. He's played first. He's played left. He's played right. He's got 10 home runs, 13 stolen bases in double A, hitting 296, 416, 543. I I don't know if he would hit at the big league level. I, I don't know. Like right now, I think he will. I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. But they might have to get aggressive with some prospects even too. They'd have to consider that. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways that they're going to have to look. This is still a team that I think is always going to be aggressive. They're going to have to be aggressive. But it's not like they have a lot of big league ready pitching depth or depth in general uh someone we talked about on the call-up recently that that might be an option is um Quincy Hamilton Quincy Hamilton and I think Quincy Hamilton but these are we're talking about the Houston Astros it's the Astros. are we trying to find diamonds in the rough in the minor leagues the defending world champs and we're talking about a 25 year old Quincy Hamilton that just got up to triple yeah so they've got to find outfield help do you, I mean at, at what point do you think like the ship has sailed on Jose Abreu uh, that's, that's a hard one for me to answer. And like a kind of impossible one for me to answer. Cause that guy, like, you know, like the, that was the guy for the Chicago white Sox for me. So I don't want to give up on a Brayu, but yeah. at this point this year, you, I look at a Brayu this year, unfortunately, in a similar way to how we had to look at Votto last year, pre-injury, like just a shell of his former self, a Brayu looks brutal. Am I hoping for a bounce back next year? I am. I'm hoping he's 30 and 100 ribbies next year. That's not this year. No fucking shot. He even gets on a, a subdued pace for a month. Like Abreu looks like, it again, like a shell of his former self. So w- what do you do? Like, do you start cutting his ABs back? I guess. 
I mean, like, you mentioned it, Yiner Diaz. Yiner Diaz is a better like, option right now. Yeah, like that's probably the answer for Abreu. How soon? Like all-star break or soon? All-star break. I mean, but you're talking about this team scuffling. And I think, I think if they've lost five in a row, I think if they have a losing week this week, you got to really start thinking. I agree. I, I legitimately, by the next time you and I record an episode, I think we got to revisit this exact topic because the 39 and 34, as we record this, the angels are ahead of them playing great ball. The Rangers are, you know, arguably top three team in baseball. I don't even think it's very arguable. And that's in their own division. And then you're going to have to edge out for the wild card, the Orioles, the Yankees, if they get healthy and get things going. Uh, that's going to be hard. That's a tall task. Yep. So this season can get away from them if they don't you know, have a little bit of urgency. And But again, what does urgency look like? I think urgency looks like their stars performing. If Alex Bregman plays like Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve plays like Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker plays like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez comes back. This team should be fine. They're fine. I don't know if they're a world series contender. They have some, some things they need to figure out, but they're playoff team. And then you get this team to the playoffs. Framber, Javier, Hunter Brown, not as sexy as we thought it would be, but Framber, I put him up against anybody. I said that Javier in the playoffs, put him up against anybody. And then Brown is your three. Brown's awesome. That's fine. And then you've got one of the best bullpens in the postseason. You can figure it out that way. So but for you me, you got to get there one, which I think they got to find one more arm and two, they, they need the guys to hit. But yeah. if they get there, they, they got a shot. So another team where it's like, welcome to uncharted territory. What are you going to do about it? Yep. Uh, they go play the Dodgers in LA this weekend. We'll and we that's a talk. great sink or swim series. Yep. And we will talk after that sink or swim series. Um, Peter and I, or no, you and Peter are going to talk tomorrow. Safe travels, hombre. You're headed. Oh to yeah, Heat, thank bro. you. Thank you. Yeah. So stay tuned with uh, with me on Twitter. I'll probably just be uh, climbing around in London. Um, going, are you going go out there like for that Ted Lasso tour? Or are you going to go look at the pub? I've never it? watched that show. Never watched that show. But I, I maybe it, it became a little too pop culture for me. And I'm not trying to be like a contrarian. It just was like. Almost too much. Almost no, too much. I'm on succession and Kieran Culkin does something to his window in like episode three and I'm a little deterred. Um, so I got I gotta figure out how to trudge my way through succession. But lasso one and two are good. Season three is no bueno, but then they yeah. run through the tape with the series finale. So if you're looking for something to do on your flight to London, I know you're probably just gonna say fire away with questions and buy the Wi-Fi on prospect Twitter. I, I love doing that, you know, yeah. doing that. But you, you know what I will be doing is is finishing up the Brewers' top prospects, which to check you should check Mariners. out on the call up. Or sorry, I don't do. I always do that. Mariners' top prospects, which will be broken down on the call up very soon. That'll be on uh, justbaseball.com very soon, and continuing to update the top 100 list. But I'm gonna regret this, but I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. If you all have any content ideas <laughs> i was talking about this with peter yesterday <laughs> at the office if there's something you want to see me do in london within reason tweet at me i don't know if you want me to do like it's a man on the street some questions you want me to ask people uh i'm gonna be yeah, there with, with my sister's out there i'm visiting her my girlfriend's coming with me my mom's gonna be there so it's a family trip but i've made it clear that it's it's business too uh, and I'm ready to clown around around Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, with with some with some British folk. I love I love our British. We have a weird amount in the best way possible of British listeners. Yeah. Like I, I, I like I'm not saying we got a million, but we we have a fair amount of British listeners. And I'll credit Peter Pratt for that in part. I don't know if he has anything to do with that. Um, but yeah, it's I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm doing a little a little bit of a I'm meeting a couple folks for 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 a pint. Which nice. I'm looking forward to. Couple nice. couple listeners that reached out and like, oh, I heard your comment. Like, so if you're out there for whatever reason, if I got a minute, I would love to say hello and uh, meet some of my favorite baseball fans across the pond. Let's grow I, the game in London. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I I know that they are active and they're they're active on social media too. So we we love hearing from all you guys on social media. Um, but no, that's gonna be fun. I want some photos of you and Pratt and, and everybody else getting getting the pint at the pub. Um, and as an ode to Tim Robinson, I would like for you to go to Buckingham Palace and see if you can make the soldiers laugh. 
I think they're battling heat stroke right now. Are they? Um, it, you see the one? Oh, there was one that like passed out the other day. Yeah, they, they, just, they dragged they him just, off by his <laughs> feet, bro. It was crazy. It was crazy. Shout out the Kings guard, baby. Oh yeah, uh, one of the weirdest things we still do. All yeah. right, you know how I feel about royalty. Oh shit, I forgot about that. I've got some some stuff under my belt on the airwaves about royalty and the royal family. Yes, you do. You don't understand what they do. I don't understand what they do either. So I'm gonna hey, try to find out. I'm gonna try to find out. If you see, if you see him, hey, it's it's God save the king now, not God save the queen. Just FYI. Yeah, I'm abstaining from that joke. Not okay. saying it. Not okay. saying it. Just to say it didn't work. All right, <laughs> Peter and Arm. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See you guys.